We're kicking off a brand new message series for the month of June that I'm excited about. It's called Time Machine, and we're going to talk primarily about time management, and I know that seems just uber, like, practical and like, oh, okay, Jeff, how spiritual can that be? You'll be amazed how spiritual that can be, and we're going to get into the spiritual ramifications of your time management, and so we're going to talk about several things over the course of the next 30 days, but I want to kick this message off uh, with uh, this message series off with a message called, There's No Time Like the Present. No Time Like the Present. Uh, the truth is, that's all you have. How many know that? You're not promised tomorrow, and yesterday's gone, so there's no time like the present. And what I'd like to talk to you about today is I'd like to talk to you about procrastination. Some of you right now are going, oh my goodness, because that hits so close to home. And can we just acknowledge right now that we all struggle with it? It is a, a human flaw that every one of us are vulnerable to, but I don't think, I don't believe that we often really understand uh, the sinful nature that procrastination can have and how God wants to deliver us from the sinful ramifications of our procrastination. And so I want to just dive into that uh, with you today. There's an old adage that says, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. So you've heard that. Heard grandma and grandpa talk about that, I'm sure. It seems the 21st century of that old adage is, don't put off till tomorrow what you can put off till next week. Um, we just tend to have a, you know, uh, a propensity to just keep pushing things further and further you know, into the future. I know we're busier than we've ever uh, been, and yet there is the potential for our procrastination to really lead us into sinning against God. And here's why I say that. James chapter 4, verse 17 said, if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, it's sin. If you know what's right to do, and you don't do it, even though your best intentions are to do it at some point, if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, the scripture said that it's sin. So what I'm really saying to you is that delayed obedience is disobedience. Now God said to obey is better than to sacrifice. What God really wants from you more than anything else is he wants you to simply obey him as a father you know, expects his child to obey him. Your heavenly father expects you to obey him as well. And delayed obedience is really disobedience. And so we're going to delve into this topic today scripturally. I'm going to show you what the Bible has to say about it. I'm going to talk to you about um, really, again, a, 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 an issue that we all face and many of us really struggle with. I want to talk to you about procrastination. By the way, I've been meaning to talk to you about it for quite some time. I'm going to make several observations about procrastination scripturally. And then I want to take and I want to give you several things to consider that will help you to overcome maybe your propensity to procrastinate. Let me start with this observation. Procrastination robs us from productivity. One of the greatest threats, procrastination, brings into your life is how it really threatens your productivity. And as a believer, as a Christ follower, God expects us to be productive. God wants us producing. In fact, here's what Jesus said in John 15 verse 8. He said, when you produce, somebody say produce. He said, when you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples. I want you to notice how productivity and discipleship are linked hand in hand. When you produce much fruit, he said, 
you are truly my disciples. And he said, this brings great glory to my Father. Anybody here want to glorify God? Say, I do. Well, then we got to produce. And in order to produce, we've got to discipline ourselves. By the way, that term discipleship, the root of the term discipleship is the idea of discipline. We discipline ourselves to follow the leading of Jesus And if we're ever going to be productive as his followers in a way that brings glory to the Father, we've got to disciple ourselves. We've got to discipline ourselves to do so. And so the first thing I'll point out is that procrastination robs us of that productivity. God calls us to bear fruit. Fruit is produce. God calls us to be productive. And so productivity requires discipline. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, you might, you might delay, but time doesn't. You might delay, but time doesn't. Because now is all you have, it's your opportunity to obey. You're not promised the opportunity to obey tomorrow. So when you know God has called you to do something and you put it off, you're trying to borrow from something that you're not guaranteed of. You can't try to borrow from tomorrow what gives you the grace to obey something that God has called you to today in this moment. Now we're talking about produce and productivity and how important it is. We all know that you don't get produce without sowing seeds. And so something that would be, I think, wise for us to consider is that procrastination is actually the seed of regret. When we put off into some future moment that we're not promised, what God expects from us today The reaping, the harvest, is always just going to be regret. The regret that we didn't do what God called us to. Y'all stop throwing elbows out there. I'm seeing you. I'm watching you. Next thing that I want to just observe with you is that procrastination doesn't eliminate work. It makes it harder. A lot of times we don't want to take on a task because it just seems too hard at the time. And we, we fool ourselves into believing, oh, it'll be easier tomorrow. No, it'll be harder tomorrow. Uh, I was out in my yard Friday working on our yard, and we have several crepe myrtle trees. I love crepe myrtles. I think they're beautiful, beautiful foliage, and we have that in our, in our yard. We got several of them. The problem with crepe myrtles is that they have these little shoot that come up from the base of the trunk. If you leave them to themselves, you've got little, you, you've got little stands of crepe myrtles versus one large trunk that blossoms out. And so you have to keep them trimmed back. And if you do it in a timely way, It's easy. I mean, you can literally take the little shoot as it comes out and you can just pinch it off with your fingers, throw it out in the grass, mow it, mulch it, it's over, it's done with. But when I'm mowing and weed eating and blowing, I get tired, I get hot, and I tell myself to wait till next week to prune the crepe myrtles. And then the next week and then the next month and then before you know it, you got all these little shoots that I can no longer just peel off with my fingers. I got to get out the pruning tools and it's half a day's job. Are y'all listening to what I'm telling you today? I'm telling you, like crepe myrtles, there are things that are going to shoot up in your life. If you don't deal with them now, they're going to be very difficult to deal with later. Some of you right now, you've got discord in your heart. Some of you, you've got bitterness that is just a little shoot right now. And if you let him, the Holy Spirit can just peel that right off. But if you delay and you procrastinate, it's going to become something very, very, very difficult. Someone said, today's hard work is often the simple task we left undone yesterday. I'm going to say that one one more time. 
Today's hard work is often the simple task we left undone yesterday. Proverbs chapter 12, and I'll be looking to Proverbs a lot here in this message series as well as subsequent ones this month. I love the book of Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. There's a proverb for every day of the month, and there's such wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I want you to hear what the proverb says in chapter 12, verse 24. It says, diligent hands will rule. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends up in forced labor. You're going to be forced to take care of stuff that you're not dealing with today if you procrastinate. You're going to be forced to deal with it in a way that's much more complicated, much more difficult than if you would just go ahead and be faithful with what God has called you to today. In fact, I'll make this observation. The only one whose work gets easier when we procrastinate is the devil's. Well, someone might say, Jeff, what's the devil's work? I'm so glad you asked. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that there's a thief that only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is his work. He longs to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your productivity. And we often make his job easier for him by procrastinating on what we're supposed to do in the here and in the now. Listen to Proverbs chapter 18, now verse 9. One who is slack in his work is a brother to the one who destroys. In other words, you're an accomplice to the destruction the enemy is bringing into your own life by procrastinating on what you're supposed to take care of today. Can I make one more observation with you? And then we'll go on to try to look at how we can overcome this volatility within all of our lives, this vulnerability that all of us share. One more observation. First of all, Procrastination robs us of productivity. And then the second thing that I want you to see here is that procrastination doesn't eliminate work. It makes it harder. And then thirdly, dreamers are often the worst procrastinators. Now, I can say that with authenticity because I've always been a dreamer. I've always been one inclined to receive vision, big picture ideas. I've always Uh, had that as a part of who I am. And the truth is we need dreamers in the body of Christ today. We need people that dare to dream great dreams for God. We need people that have visionary capacity. But even as a visionary, if you are inclined to have those big picture ideas, let me just say that there's some vulnerability that comes with how God wired you to dream big dreams and to have big ideas and, and to be a visionary. And the vulnerability is the dreamer's propensity to procrastinate. So I want to say to every dreamer in this house, and I hope you're here, every visionary watching us online, I want to say don't get so busy dreaming great things that you never do great things. Don't get so busy dreaming great things that you never do great things. Proverbs 13, 4 says the appetite, the desires of the sluggard craves but gets nothing, but the desire of the diligent will be abundantly satisfied. I've known people that were big dreamers. They had wonderful ideas, amazing ideas, such creativity, such vision, and yet they never acted on it, and so they ended their life with regret of what they never achieved. Don't get so busy dreaming that you forget to get busy doing. Anybody listening to what I'm telling you here today? Listen, the desire of the diligent, put your hand to the plow and your dreams will be abundantly satisfied because procrastination is really delayed intention. 
It's not that you didn't intend to do what was on your heart to do. It's not that you didn't intend to bring God glory through the assignment that he gave you. It's just you never followed up on it. You delayed it. You procrastinated. I want to take the next few minutes, and I want to um, talk to you about overcoming procrastination. And there are several things to consider here. First of all, overcoming procrastination requires that we be honest with ourselves. I mentioned dreamers a moment ago, visionaries. You know, the other thing that usually comes hand-in-hand with dreamers, with visionaries, is salesmanship. It's hard to get anywhere with a dream that's so much bigger than you are if you're not capable of bringing along people, you know, alongside you and convincing them to embrace this dream or this vision with you. And so typically, one who's gifted with dreams and vision and, and all of that is also great at salesmanship. And if we're not careful... We will sell ourselves on things that are just not true. We'll sell ourselves on the notion or the idea that it's okay to procrastinate because it's going to be a more opportune time, you know, tomorrow or next week or next month. And so we've got to be honest with ourselves. If we're ever going to overcome our struggle with procrastination, we've got to be honest with ourselves. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Notice that if you are a hearer, you know what God wants you to do, but you're not a doer, you never put your hand to the plow, you eventually come under some form of self-deception. The greatest example I could give you of it is Congress. We elect these people to represent us, and they get to D.C., and they spend every day talking about problems on Main Street, USA. They talk about our issues. They talk about our problems. They talk about our challenges. They talk about, you know, everything that we're facing. They talk, 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 to the point that they deceive themselves into actually thinking they're doing something about the problem when the truth is Washington hasn't done much in decades. Right? Wait, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. They might be watching. Hang on. Listen. Before we're too quick to bag on the politicians, let's look at us. Because the truth is, we talk a lot too. And so often, we talk ourselves right into the idea that I'm doing something, I'm attempting to achieve what God's put on my heart to achieve, when the truth is, we've not got our hands to the plow, and we're really not taking any steps forward. So we've got to be honest with ourselves. Procrastination always includes the sin of lying to oneself. I'll have more time for this tomorrow. I just don't have time for this today. As you binge watch network, uh, Netflix, whatever you call it. As you binge watch Netflix, you're convincing yourself, I just don't have time to do anything today. Well, absolutely you have time. You just have to be honest with yourself. So what I want to really, on a, on a practical measure, encourage you to do is something we've done for several years now as the lead team here of your church, and that is I want to encourage you to establish runways. I know that you're going to have some things God's going to put on your heart to achieve that are too big for one day. I realize that. That doesn't mean you can't get started today. Just because it's bigger than one day, Rome's not built in a day, I get that, but it doesn't mean you can't start today. In fact, if you're going to get to San Diego, uh, you can get there by means of a plane they're going to put you in, but only if that plane has a runway to use to pick up enough speed so that 
lift can come under those wings and that plane can get up in the air and deliver you safely to San Diego. The same is true with the things that God has put in your heart to achieve. Sometimes they're bigger than one day, but you got to get started today. At some point, you got to get on the runway and get some momentum. So for instance, our Christmas outreach is the biggest outreach of the year. Last year, we had just short of 10,000 people come to six performances of uh, The Real Story of Christmas, and we had 900 people give their heart and life to Jesus Christ in those six performances. Yeah, you can give God glory for that. So we're, we're believing, God, that this Christmas is going to be even bigger, but we got to get on the runway. So it's June, and it's hot, and when I was under those crepe myrtles Friday, I was sweating and suffering, but here at the church... We've been singing Christmas carols and thinking about uh, Christmas decorations and, and, and everything holiday-related simply because we know we need a runway in order to gain the kind of momentum to get where God wants us to get. Now, you make the application in your own life and begin to establish those runways for the big uh, calls to action that God has given you, and you'll be able to achieve them as well. The next thing I want you to consider with me if you're going to overcome procrastination is that it requires that you see yourself as a steward of the time that you're given. you got to see yourself as a steward of the time that you're given because here's the mistake we made. Everybody look this way. The mistake we make is that we believe that our time is our own, and it's not. Listen, any time you have was given to you by God. He doesn't wake you up this morning, you don't wake up. And so the time we have is not our own. We are simply stewards over it, and we must steward it well. And if you're ever going to overcome this struggle with procrastination, I know this firsthand, you're going to have to remind yourself, my time is not my own. And you're going to have to be a steward of that time that you're given. Ephesians 5 verse 16 tells us to make use of every opportunity you have because these days are evil. The truth is we all have the same amount of time and yet some of us achieve more with our time than others. Why? One reason, stewardship. We all have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. It's just that some are better stewards of their time than others are. If I told you that tomorrow at 12.01 a.m., someone was going to deposit $86,400 into a bank account for you, how many would get happy then? How many would praise the Lord? Listen, you'd sing a little harder today, wouldn't you? (laughs) Shout a little bit louder. But what if I told you the contingency was you've got to spend it all in a 24-hour period because 12.01 the next day, no matter how much is left in the account, it's gone. You only have it for this 24 hours. Can I tell you something of much greater value was deposited in an account for you today? 86,400 minutes were given to every one of us, but when they're gone, they're gone, and we need to be good stewards of those moments that God's given us. We're talking about overcoming procrastination. If we're going to do it, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to... um, see ourselves as stewards of the time that we're given. And thirdly, we've got to overcome procrastination by focusing on our why, by focusing on our why. It was Simon Sinek, the author, who said, start with why. Why becomes your motivation. It's what gets you up in the morning. It's what keeps you up late. 
Uh, and, and so today I want to ask you, what is your why behind everything you're doing or not doing? What is your why? If you're going to ever overcome that propensity to procrastinate, you've got to focus on your why. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. I came to church to tell you, Jesus is my why. He's my why behind everything I do. And so consequently, I can't procrastinate on things that I know he's asked of me because he's the why behind all I do. Here's another consideration. Overcoming procrastination requires we face our fears. Let's get honest. Sometimes we put things off because we're scared of them. We're afraid of how they're going to turn out. We're afraid of how we might fail. We're, we're putting stuff off because those things seem so much bigger than us. And, and let's go ahead and acknowledge this together. Listen, if God's giving you something to do, it probably is bigger than you. It probably is bigger than your capability, but it's not bigger than him. And if God's for you, who can be against you? So if you're going to overcome procrastination, you've got to face your fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and sound mind and self-discipline. We often procrastinate when we feel overwhelmed by our assignment. Psychologists call it catastrophizing. That's what they call it, catastrophizing. And so what it does is it makes something bigger in your mind. I mean, you can tell I'm not a psychologist. It makes it bigger in your mind than it actually is. The devil specializes on that. I came to this church this morning to remind every one of you that Jesus said, if you have faith in God, you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it will happen. I came to church to look at you right in the eye and tell you, listen, if God said we can move mountains, then why are we making mountains out of molehills? We've got to take on the challenges that God has given us, the assignments, and know, even though they seem bigger than me, I know they're not bigger than God. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 13 reads like this. The slacker, I love that wording. Not really. I don't really love it, but the slacker, because I've fit in that category a time or two. How about you? The slacker says, there's a lion in the road, a lion in the public square. What is he speaking to here? Any excuse you can find not to get done what God calls you to do. All right, one more thing. If we're going to overcome our tendency to procrastinate, we've got to get practical. That's the last thing. To overcome procrastination, we've got to get practical. And that's what I want to do the next few minutes with you as we wrap this up. I want to get practical with all of this. Luke chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus really makes an indictment on us as his followers. Here's what he said. He said, the people of this world look out for themselves better than the people who belong to the light. In other words, sometimes they take a much more practical approach over getting done their agenda than kingdom people take in getting done God's agenda. And we can learn from that. So I want to take the next few moments and I want to talk to you about some practical measures against procrastination. The first one is prioritizing things. I know you've got a lot on your plate. And I'm not here telling you today that God wants you to get everything done that has landed on your plate. In fact, there are some things you need to take off your plate. How are you going to know what to leave on the plate and what to take off of the plate? A thing called prioritization. Prioritization. 
And it's what Jesus was speaking to in Matthew 6, verse 33, when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said, then all these other things will be added to you. You put first things first. You make sure that the things you leave on the plate are the things that God expects of you. And look at me, God will take care of everything else. Is there anybody in this room God's proven that to you again and again? Say amen. I'm telling you right now, if you put first things first and you prioritize what's on your plate based on the biblical worldview, you're never going to know what to leave on the plate if you're not looking at God's word. So as we look at life through the lens of Scripture, we'll know what to leave on the plate, and God said he'll take care of the rest. I love a quote by Picasso. He said, only leave off till tomorrow what you are willing to leave left undone. There are some things that you have to leave left undone. Maybe even some things that were noble, even some things that looked good. But listen, it's not what looks good. It's what you know is God that you need to commit yourself to. And you'll only do that as you use that method of prioritization. Then secondly, another real practical measure here against procrastination is, number two, use a calendar. I know that seems so simple. Well, if it's so simple, why aren't you doing it? Years ago when I first moved back here to Lafayette, Don and I was at the mall on a Saturday doing some shopping, and all of a sudden I got a call from my personal assistant letting me know not to forget something about a wedding that I had completely forgotten about. It wasn't on my calendar. I hadn't put it on my calendar. She was calling just to remind me of an aspect of that wedding that I needed to be aware of, and I'd lost sight completely of the fact that an hour from that moment I was supposed to be officiating a wedding. Now listen, I live in Brobridge, y'all. I had to jump in my car. I had to run home. I had to change, get ready to officiate a wedding. And I barely got here in time to get it started. And I realized right then and right there, I need help. Everybody, right now, lift your hands with me right now and go, we need help. And listen, it can be, it absolutely can be as simple as using a calendar. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. So what you have to do is you have to manage your seasons. You have to manage your activities. One of the best ways to do that is a calendar that includes alerts and reminders. So my calendar is on a smartphone that as I put my date on the calendar, it allows me to set a reminder for the day before or an hour before or a week before if I need that much runway to get ready for what I put on that calendar to prioritize. And I encourage you to begin to, to do that and use those very, very practical means of bringing glory to our Father. Thirdly, another practical measure against procrastination is number three, become accountable to somebody. Let somebody know what you believe God has called you to achieve and ask them to hold you accountable for it. So next week, they're coming back around and going, how much have you got done on that, right? Listen, we try to avoid that as much as we can when we should be embracing that. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work, watch this, their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit. So in other words, there's great benefit in being accountable to somebody. And so this is a measure that you can take to make sure you're not procrastinating. Be answerable to someone over what you believe God has called you to achieve. And then number four, break your projects, which do many times seem 
very voluminous. So let's break our projects into tasks and tasks into steps. Everybody say steps. So if you wanted to get to San Diego today and you didn't have a plane as an option and you didn't have a car as an option or a train or even a horse and buggy, you could still get to San Diego from Lafayette, Louisiana. You know how you're going to do it? One step at a time. At some point, you got to put a foot in front of the other and start moving towards that direction. You know, religious people talk a lot about leaps of faith, and you won't find that concept in the Bible. God has never asked a person in this room to take some leap of faith, but I promise you he's asking you to take a step today. And he ordains the steps that we take. In fact, Psalm 37 verse 23 said, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He guides our steps. And you get to San Diego one step at a time. What step are you going to take today towards what God has called you to achieve? Number five, last thing is this. If you are going to overcome procrastination, you're going to have to put practical measures in place like prioritizing and using a calendar, becoming accountable to someone and breaking your projects into tasks and your tasks into steps. And then lastly, number five, you need to eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. And there's, what is it? What did I say wrong? Oh, yes. Wow. How about that timing? (laughs) Oh. For those of you online, a phone just went off when I said that. (laughs) Hey, whoever you are, we love you. We love you. We thank God for you. We all forget sometimes. But we do have to eliminate distractions. I mentioned that I, I make my calendar event, and then I set a reminder, an alert. And so a day before or an hour before or a week before, I get an alert. That's good when it comes to important appointments on my calendar. It's not good when it comes to somebody posting something on my Facebook page. Who cares if they posted something on your Facebook page, if it's distracting you from the destiny of God. It's distracting you from things that are leading to to the glory you were intended to give the Father. We need to shut some stuff down. Anything that's going to distract us from our eternal purposes. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, says, Catch the foxes. The little foxes before they ruin our vineyard in bloom. In other words, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We got to take care of those little things. We got to remove those little distractions. Sometimes tools meant to enhance productivity actually endanger it. And we need to be wise to all of that. I'll close with this. I know you think I was just closing, but no, I'm really closing now. This is the official close. Real quick, here's something you need to. Make sure you're not procrastinating over. Here's four things you cannot procrastinate over. Number one, reconciling relationships. God is a relational God. His is a relational kingdom. We are relational beings, and he will not allow you to procrastinate in reconciling relationships that have gone wrong. you got to take care of that today. I told you sometimes we put things off because they seem difficult. Nothing, look at me, nothing seems more difficult than offenses between us and somebody else. Nothing looms larger over us than the task of trying to win a brother. And so we put it off and we put it off. But remember, it doesn't get easier, it gets harder. That thing begins to gain momentum 
And all of a sudden, it's so much bigger than what it was originally. And if you'd have just taken care of it now. In Matthew chapter 5, I don't have time to really read all of this. But Jesus said, even if you're at church with your offering and you remember there's a relationship to be reconciled, set your offering down. Don't take it with you. (laughs) Take your your offering down. Go get right with your brother and then come worship God with your gift. That's how important relationships are. So here's what you cannot procrastinate on. Reconciling relationships, number two, putting a wrap on wrath. Putting a wrap on wrath. Ending any form of wrath and ungodly anger within your life is something you cannot procrastinate over. And here's why. Because Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 tells us don't sin by letting anger control us. And don't let the sun go down while we're angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. When you procrastinate on taking care of that anger that's in your heart, you're going to wake up with Satan having a foothold in your life today that he didn't have yesterday. And he wouldn't have today if you'd have made that thing right. Number three, don't procrastinate in sharing your faith. Every one of us in this room and by internet have people that we care about that don't know God. There are people that we work with. There are people in our neighborhood. There are even our own family. And in our hearts, we know we need to be sharing our faith with them. We need to be sharing Christ with them. And yet we put it off. We think, oh, I'm just going to wait for a more opportune time. Can I just remind us, you're not promised tomorrow. You don't know if they're going to be alive tomorrow for you to share your faith with them. And so we can't put off our sharing of our faith. And then lastly, number four, we cannot procrastinate on responding to the gospel ourselves. Every week here at this church, I remind people, you are not promised tomorrow. All you have is today. And so if you're here or you're watching online and you're not right with God right here, right now in this moment, you you have no assurance of what awaits you when this life is over. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You can't honestly say you're serving God. The truth is you're just serving you. You do not need to put this off one minute more because all you have is this moment. And I want to give you the chance right now to put your faith in Christ.